Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody. Chris here. Just a reminder that this episode was recorded pre-lockdown, back when we could all be in a room together. And second reminder that this season episodes are coming weekly. So today we've got an interview episode and next Thursday we will have Homo Sapiens Extra Lockdown Extended Edition. Enjoy listening. Who was the chef who went to prison? Big American Martha Stewart. Oh, yeah, Martha. Yeah, she went to prison. She came out, though. My friend was her pen pal. Her what? Her pen pal. Pen pal? I thought yeah. you said her pimper. <laughs> you know, I could believe anything of Martha. Hello, everybody. I'm Alan Cumming. I'm Christopher Sweeney. And this is Homo Sapiens. Absolutely. Shall I say true story again? Because I say that every week. True story. True story. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> How are you, Alan? Tell me. I'm pretty good. Yeah? I'm... Um, Springing uh, your step uh, over there, I, I see. Springing my step. Um, I've been um, cooking. Lovely. What do you think? I had a lovely cook. Uh, I've made a delicious... Well, I did I tell you that I accidentally bought eight and a half kilograms of uh, texturized vegetable protein. Ah. Because the bags in the picture did not seem as big as they were in real life. <laughs> and I didn't look at the kilograms thing. And so I uh, have industrial amounts of texturized vegetable protein in my wow. in my house. So I'm trying to use them up by making delicious stews and uh, chilies and things like that. So I've just made one today. And when you say texturized vegetable protein, is that different to tofu? Yes. And what's the difference? Um, well, tofu is fermented soy. Oh, okay. And... Uh, isn't it? Yeah, and, and texturized vegetable protein is like dehydrated soybeans and vegetables. I think. And nicer, do you prefer it? Yeah, because it, it, you put it in things and it gives a little texture, kind of it's slightly chewy, mm-hmm. makes it seem like mints, like a chili, or but it's not, you know, but it just oh, gives things nice. a texture. And it's, it's you know, it's vegetable protein in, 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 a, in a dish. Um, have you tried uh, soya um, sunflower mints? Sunflower mints, like mint with an S or mm. mints with a C-E? C-E. No. So it's dried uh, sunflower product. I don't know how it's made, yeah. but it tastes exactly like mint. So you can make like a chili con carne with it oh, or so a polonaise. Similar. Is it dehyd- so it's dehydrated. You put it in as a powder? It's kind of looks like a gravel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that was the look they were going for. Yes. Do you think that's what the marketing department said? Why don't you say try that for them? Make try them- this. <laughs> It looks like gravel. And it tastes like it too, Mom. <laughs> Jeez, it's delicious. Do you know that reminds me of you doing that funny American accent? I presume it was American. <laughs> uh, is it what? There's a thing. Uh, there's a thing on YouTube that someone sent me once, which is like a hot dog. It's like a hot dog. It's a, well, no, you, it's a thing that you put a hot dog in mm-hmm. and you sort of, you know, like a like a the way you slice an egg, you know, the way you do that thing. And you put oh, I love those. And then all the eggs are in slices. It's like that, but you do it with a hot dog, so it makes the hot dog have legs and arms. <laughs> yes, I and, love those and the, things. Um, and, the, <laughs> and the wee boy in the commercial goes, it's a toy you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I learned how to make quesadillas because of Martha Stewart. Really? Because you learned them on the show? Yeah. Yeah, I can make you, I can make you a quesadilla. Did she? What, mm, yeah, okay. And then also, uh, what do you call it? I, it was a bit, we were making banana daiquiris as well, and and then, and it's kind of like in a live situation. So she, I went, I went. You know, I the um, bananas are really good for diction. And she went, mm-hmm, tell me more. And I went, that's it. That's all I know. That's just that someone told me that bananas are good for diction. I don't know why. <laughs> Non-starter. That's such a good impression. I think she thought, oh. 
because uh, she her, she does her, her you know her thing is that's a good thing that's the Martha Stewart sort of uh, catchphrase. Oh, is it? That's a good thing. That's how she says it. And uh, you could play her in the biopic. I could. I'd love that. There has been a biopic actually. Kirsty, uh, the lady who used to be in Cheers, Kirsty Alley played oh, her. Oh yeah, really? Kirsty Alley played her. It's really mm. hilarious. Mm. Uh, you know, I find Martha. You should get Martha on this. That would be great. Yes. Next season. Yep, that's a good thing, Alan. That's a good thing. But anyway, we don't have Martha Stewart today. We have someone even better than Martha Stewart. S- similar. Add a little more 70s icon, and I think we've got Laurie Anderson. Who Laurie Anderson. This who, week's guest. She's such a legend, this woman, and just a darling. Ma- um, like, uh, I mean, most <clears throat> people know Laurie uh, uh, in the world would know Laurie from Oh Superman, her big yes. kind of electronic hit. But there's, you know... Should we play two and a half seconds of it that we can afford? Okay. Uh, 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 uh. Uh, that's it. That would be it. <laughs> that's actually what it sounds like for those and, who haven't heard it. But she's uh, this amazing musician and performance artist and composer. Um, has had an amazing career. Is such a lovely woman. Was married for a, a long time to the lovely Lou Reed. Yeah. And uh, they were always so nice to me. Actually, they came to one of my concerts. Aww. Yeah. And um, I just known her on and off in New York for ages and she's just and also this air of calm mm-hmm. comes off her and it's not a surprise to realise to find out she's been a Buddhist for like decades and decades since the 70s <clears throat> do you, what is that do you think because th- there is something about her and a lot of Buddhists which is there is something emanating mm. from them and it's like she's moving at 50% speed of everyone else mm. but it's not just that there is a I just felt like Inner a, calm. a wash of calm yeah. Yeah, coming off her. Yeah. And and I think one thing we were talking about when we were talking about this series, we were talking about icons and queer icons. Mm. And then it was like, oh, you know, LGBT icons and blah, blah, blah. But there is something about, I think you said it about Laurie, that her sensibility is queer, you know, which is about yeah. rights. And yeah. w- what is that, do you think? W- what is a queer sensibility? I think it's yeah. actually about... Uh, an openness to mm. things other than your own experience yeah. and uh, a compassion mm. and uh, a generosity and a, a respect for people. Yes. And, and, and just and that, you know, you think that everybody should uh, have as good a go as you do. And um, I love, she says, we were talking about, we get onto religion at one point, well, we're obviously talking about Buddhism, but we get onto more sort of... Um, conventional or organised religion, whatever you call it. But she says a great thing that she thinks Jesus was gay. Yes. He was so beautiful and tender, totally gay. Yes, she outs, she outs Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be honest, I think happened in uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, I can't quite remember. Well, you know, <laughs> the book someone of- who's, has dinner with only men, at, at the, you know, he goes out. You know, you look at the Last Supper, it's just a bunch of guys all out for dinner. When does that happen when there's not a football match involved? <laughs> Very true. Um, also, I think Jesus would have been... That's why I think it's so awful the way that Christianity... Well, we'll talk about this in the thing as well, but the way that Christianity's been so hijacked by people who are who are bigoted mm. that Jesus was the most... Like, he, you know, we all... We, we see all the thing about, you know, the, the, the poor people and sick people, but also prostitutes, sex workers. He was very kind and said, you know, helpful, help them and told people to not be mean to them. And I totally think that Jesus... I'm, I'm sure there, there were instances of it but we just don't, the Bible has been, it has been gay raised, gay raised, but I'm sure yes. Jesus would have been all over um, marriage equality and, and equal rights for gay people. Yeah. And that's why I find it really awful in America when, you know, Christian groups who supposedly uh, <laughs> promote and exhort us to have love and compassion for our fellow man, were telling everyone that uh, it was okay to think that some people should have less rights than others mm-hmm. and not be able to, live in peace and comfort so i don't like the way that christianity has been hijacked hijacked christianity is jesus's name hello jesus christianity stop being mean all you christians that's all i'm saying yeah thank you for the reminder on that thank you you're welcome pleasure now um I think I, I think we get into it. Don't Let's we? have Laurie Anderson. Let her speak for herself. Oh no! First of all, though, shall we have some agony uncle questions? Oh, thank God you're here. Agony uncle. Um, we should have got Laurie Anderson to do us a jingle. Shit. She'd do that. 
Homo sapiens. Ha, ha, ho. I like that. a great piece about um, Moby Dick. She did? Yeah, amazing. Oh, like a performance. It was like an opera. Yes. But it was... She she invents instruments and everything. I mean, she's just a genius. Do you want to read a couple of these? Yes. So, uh, let me... Oh, here's one. Uh-huh. So, W... Uh, writes my best friend in capital letters so it Mm -hmm. must be really really his best friend has views I don't agree with anti-women anti-gay rights so I feel conflicted help Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you should take this one initially Christopher while I calm down (laughs) allow me to grab allow me to grab this nettle Alan Um, listen they're your friend so you've got to talk it out. But there are some things which are not acceptable. And if unless that person is mm-hmm. not going to listen and understand about very basic stuff like women's rights, LGBT rights, just you know. Human rights, just you, decency, yeah. compassion. You know, you, uh, you do not need to remain friends with that person. I don't understand how they can be your best friend mm. uh, in capital letters and have these views you're listening to this podcast you're obviously not a misogynist or a homophobe mm-hmm. um i'm just really curious about how you've not confronted this already yes. dealt with this already this i mean i think you've got to just well send them this bloody link of this show yeah and say what the actual fuck that's what yeah this is what chris and alan think about you mm-hmm I don't imagine, like you. Can you imagine if someone sent that to you? Said, <laughs> I've written into oh, a show about you. Welcome to my world. I, you know, try being famous on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Anedra Taweb, this amazing online therapist who I adore, mm-hmm. uh, she says this thing which I love, which is that you, just because some, you've been friends with someone for ages does not mean you have to remain friends with them, you know. And yeah. sometimes we can let yeah. people carry on from a past life. And also I feel like you say you feel conflicted. I don't see how you can feel conflicted about, you You know, you can love a person and obviously they can have different political views to you, but that's not conflicted if you've been open with them and told them how you feel and how you feel about mm. their views. There's no, there's no, there should be no conflict there other than an ideological one that has been discussed. And have you ever had that with friends of yours where you've realised that you have grown apart in that sense with stuff. Yes. And I think, you know, there's, I think there's a reason why you grow apart as friends and reason why you, you know, it's, or you don't keep in touch with people. Mm -hmm. And, but then, you know, there's people that, there's people in my family, extended Mm -hmm. family that I have hugely uh, different political, just humanist views to, but, and I can, appreciate them but I'm very clear with them mm. that I uh, do not agree with that side of them I think that's the thing you've got to just you know obviously it's very difficult it's a very difficult situation we live in very polarised times mm. when you go home and with your family and your old friends you're going to engage in these things and of course you don't want the entire thing to be awful and just screaming about politics all the time mm. but I just think you've got to everyone should know should lay their cards on the table yeah. and if someone doesn't want to lay <clears throat> their cards on the table because they know their views are offensive then maybe <laughs> they should think about changing their views there's a clue in that but yeah I don't think you feel like you shouldn't ever have to feel like you have to acquiesce around people who have different views from you it's okay to have different views no I mean yes <laughs> I mean, <that's> right. <laughs> case in point okay here we go Okay. Here's another person. This is from someone who wrote in to the website. The kind of women I am attracted to are always bad for me. How do I choose better, please? Well, well, first of all, uh, person, I think you need to look at what are the uh, common uh, commonalities mm-hmm. of these women. There must be a pattern here. Mm-hmm. There must be some things. If they are bad for you, you have to look at what are the qualities they have that are bad and you must avoid those in future. And then you've got to ask yourself, why am I attracted to people who have qualities that are bad for me? Mm-hmm. You think the thing, interesting thing about getting older is you see patterns, you see your behavioral patterns. Yes. And it seems to me like you have behavioral patterns because you're mentioning them in this tiny question. Mm-hmm. You just have to be, to analyze them a bit better. Don't you think, Christopher? I do. I think two things, when I, two things spring to mind. I think people like saying they're attracted to bad people. And I think that's not that helpful because 
you're attracted to who you're attracted to. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and that is, you know, uh, you know, you can't change that. But you do also have to pull into your decision-making process as to whether this person is going to be, you know, good and all right for you and make you feel good about yourself. Because sometimes we're drawn to people who don't make us feel good about ourselves. Totally. And I think that uh, is... I mean, look, I don't think there's an easy way around that. I think you have to go and have therapy, if I'm I think honest. you've got to have therapy. But I think you've also got to, like, analyse things. Mm. before. You know, obviously that's what therapy is, analysis. But you need to... Not just think, oh, I keep choosing all these bad people. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You're the you're the common denominator here. But you know what I mean? Like, take some responsibility, yeah. I think, is basically what we're yes. saying. Yes, yes. Then uh, the last question we're going to have uh, in this edition of... Um, Agony Uncle. Uncle. Uh, uh, Agony Uncle. Um, it is from B. Mm-hmm. If a close friend doesn't invite you to her wedding, what is the best response? I need drama. <laughs> is that them saying I need drama? This, yes, I wouldn't say that. Yeah, they're saying I need drama. So it seems to me, uh, oh. you, 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 it seems you, to you've got drama, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, because your best friend hasn't invited you to. Your, that's drama. Maybe she's not your best friend. That's uh, not a close oh, friend. Oh, no, a close friend. I'm so sorry. A close friend doesn't invite you to a wedding. What is the best response? I just start to think, you know, um, well, if you need drama, go and become an actor. I think just like, don't see this. Someone's probably. Uh, thought long and hard about who they invited to the wedding. Maybe they can't afford to have many people to their wedding. Maybe they don't like you that much. You just have to... I, do, I think the drama should not be uh, because you need it or you want it or you want to create it. Just go and ask them. But if you're upset that, about it, mm-hmm. say, oh, I was upset you didn't invite me to your wedding. Mm-hmm. I see what they say. But don't... Um, I don't know. I don't like that question. Also, I think people lose their minds over weddings. and it, yeah. And it's like, look, it's like, have one if you want one fine but it doesn't matter who's invited who's not invited it doesn't matter what, what you eat all that crap i think it's like this lightning it's it's this lightning rod or magnet for the worst behavior in people and i remember yeah. when i was getting married my mum me and my husband william like we got married and just did it all i sorted it all out ourselves yeah which i thought was quite funny because i feel like there was a vague vibe in the air like as if the boys were pretending to have a wedding you know what I mean? It was like, oh, the boys are getting married with this sort of like, yeah, they're doing this thing. I felt like, you know, when you do a puppet show behind the sofa for your family. <laughs> it's a bit like, felt a bit like that. I think it's an interesting thing. I think we live in different times. I think, you know, the whole thing of like, you know, you have to invite all your cousins because they invite you to their wedding, blah, 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 blah. That used to be a thing. And if actually, and I think if you have a family set up that is measured only, uh, the only currency of your family mm. is that y- you have to invite them to th- things like, weddings and funerals, then yeah. just don't. I think that we've got to move on from that. I mean, and, and we're in a transition now where people get married in different ways. Marriage means different things. Yes. And, the, and the act that you, if you, if you think about it, why people should be at your wedding is to celebrate this union that you're entering into. Mm. If it's just about that they're getting some free food and a couple of glasses of warm champagne, mm. then, you know, invite them in for dinner or just realise that that's not perhaps the, the best um, kind of yeah. energy to have around you. I think, like both my weddings, I have, uh, when, even when I got married the first time when I was very young and to a woman, we invited our parents to our own wedding. We did it all ourselves. We didn't feel duty bound to do that thing. I just think it's mm. not, you know, mm. it's actually when you think, what do you want from this wedding? Yes. If you want it to be something that's for your mom and, you, and your family to organise and for them to then give it to them yeah. and then t- take the consequences and shut up. If you yeah. want it to be your thing, own it mm-hmm. and have some responsibility and just say to people, I'm so sorry, I didn't invite you because I didn't want to, wanted to have this number, yeah. uh, I you know, couldn't afford it, whatever. So I just think um, this person, uh, B, was it? Yes. Um, should um, they, they just probably not know. seek out drama. There's enough going on in the world, darling, without oh, you having to manufacture True it. story. So now, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, well, now we've solved all the world's problems. I think all of them. Uh, all of them should... could be so. You know who should be doing the agony? Uncle. Laurie thing. Anderson. Laurie Anderson. Because that Buddhist has got some answers. Let hear, let's hear her calming tones. Let's hear it. I, I wanted to ask you about your phone because um, I read something that you said that I thought was so wonderful where... 
someone said, what's your favourite item or something? And you said, it's my phone. And it was the first time I'd heard, oh, it's funny that you're pulling a face, because it was the first time I'd heard someone say something really positive about their phone. And, and you said, it's my notebook. Yeah. It's how I get places. It's how I dot, dot, dot. And it's like, that is what it is. It's funny, it is. but they are so demonised yeah. when, in fact, this is a brilliant thing. It's and I so thought, useful. Yeah, and I thought, what a wonderful relationship to have with something to just know what it's good for. Yeah. It's changed how I use pockets, too. So you want to have something nice to put it in, so you're like, because otherwise you're in a death grip with this. Yeah, <laughs> I find that one walking along the street, I'm like, why am I holding my phone? Yeah, yeah. put it down. Yeah. Just you know, the other night we went to this um, show and they did a thing where they took your mobile phone and they put it in this little bag and a little thing, magnetically thinged, locked like that. So you had this little sort of sack with you, with your phone in it. You had to turn it off and so that you couldn't use, you know, you couldn't use your phone during the thing. And it, I loved it. Mm. It was so great. And and then and then at the end they had a little thing that went boop and it opened up and you got your phone out. But what um, it was Hannah Gadsby, you know her. The, it was her show. And what she said that she loves about that is that it makes the pre-show audience hubbub mm. come alive again. Because before oh, shows now you're very everyone's just like you know, you're always the last <gasps> nice. thing you do is something involving sure. your phone before you switch it off. Mm. And so now when people don't have that, it's only you know <laughs> there's an actual difference between the hubbub and the yeah. silence. Yeah. Last time I put my phone into a plastic bag was meditation course and when I got it back it was 2,500 messages. Oh my god. Yeah. How long was the meditation course? It was, it was about 10 days. Oh, wow. still though, that's 250 a day. Yes, that's what I get. Why do you get so many? Uh, because I'm Popular. an idiot, you know, I, I like <laughs> staying in touch. I'm just deleting them all the time, delete, 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 it's like, um, but, uh, that a very good feeling to put it away. Mm. Yeah. It's such a nice feeling. Mm -hmm. You have this incredible calm demeanor. Like, you have this aura around <laughs> you. facade. But, but, but that's sort of what I wanted to ask you, is like, how did you become that? Because I think it's really important that people can understand that it's, it's a pro like, you don't have, it's, it's a process. Like, you don't necessarily always feel like that inside, but it is a really brilliant thing to be able to engage with meditation and, all of that. And I think we need it so much now. Mm. Yeah, we really do. And, and, and I guess one thing that helps me is that, that I, I gradually realized that it never, ever, ever, ever helps to panic. <laughs> never. It makes, always makes it worse. Mm. So when, when things happen and, you, and there are things that genuinely do make you panic, you know, you've like, something really bad happens. Just, um, uh, I, I just try to, well, really take a page from what you said. You, you just take a beat and kind of put it in some bigger perspective mm. and just go, you know, uh, it's going to be better if I um, try to see how beautiful things are. And was there, but was there a point in your life where you're like, I need to change my perspective and that's how you found Buddhism? Or no, I was always um, like, a, I always was a, a sky worshipper. Right. When I was a little kid, I knew like, Whenever something really bad happened, the sky was always there, and I would look up and I was like, "Wow!" I, I, I'm, I like had this kind of like pagan thing. I was like, "I come from there." I, oh, wow. I was very. I used to like look at the sky like probably because I'm from the Midwest and it was all sky. And I was like, yeah. "I'm from there. It's so beautiful. It's 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 my it's freedom." And so that's available to everyone all the time. The sky. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, that that uh, and and also, by the time I've found out about Buddhism, there's a, a, all things about you know uh, awareness of sky, okay. and yeah. and just that as your to to get your sense of freedom and balance and perspective and mm. beauty and you know it's what kind of meditation do you do? I don't uh, just I don't know. It does, not not transcendental. Right. Uh, no, I just you do. You didn't pay a thousand dollars for your mantra. No, I think that's so awful. I think I'm absolutely with you there. I think it's disgusting. Yeah. And I think it it attracts a certain certain type of person that I don't I could easily fall into, and I don't want to be that mm -hmm. person because I think it's it, the very fact that you're being charged for it is the antithesis of what I think it's supposed to Pretty be. Pretty much, yeah. Mm. So I don't know. There's a place we had a nice man called um, oh gosh, I've forgotten his name. He came. There's a place called Mindful. Mm -hmm. It's a meditation sort of place 
that you can go and do meditation classes and you know with other people and then they, and then he came to our uh, house and gave us sort of meditation coaching tips. tips and stuff like that so what, what was the best tip you got well actually it wasn't from him it was from this um, okay. app that I got this mm -hmm. other bloke uh, was uh, doing this app thing and it was about what was it it was something something don't react I've forgotten now but it was about when when something happens receive it and it basically take a beat before you react. Mm, nice. And I can't, it, was, it was more eloquent than that. It was more of an eloquent no, sort of mantra. No, but that's eloquent. That's, take a beat. Yeah. Mm. Just don't immediately exactly. do that. Exactly. Yeah. Like, I mean, the beats are short when sometimes things happen to you and you, the, you there's this millisecond where you're measuring it and, in, and somebody says something or something and you go, you're deciding, is that good for me or bad for me? Mm. You know, and it's a millisecond long. And before you're evaluating what it is, and mm. it's, it's a really interesting moment to try to not care or mm. or have the or not to put it on the scale of like good or bad. Just kind of go. That's a thing that happened. I don't have to say plus or minus. You know, it's just, mm. just um, it's another thing. Because I'm always trying to elongate that moment because it's like. Mm -hmm. I th I'm reacting before I'm even aware I've reacted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, this guy was really rude to me a few weeks ago, and I was so proud of myself because it was the l I put in the longest break I've ever oh, had. How and I was long like, was your longest break? It's so weird because you kind of step out of time, don't you? So yeah, it was probably yeah. half a second, but it f <laughs> I actually. That was so long. Wow. I had. <laughs> yeah, like I, I had a moment to go, let's have a think about how to approach this. You mm. know what I mean? Because you. I've, I feel like I'm so programmed to just react, to be in like a loop of reacting, yeah, to be like, no, 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 I was like, mm? yeah. and it, but I don't know, I haven't mastered that at all. But I feel like that is quite linked to meditation though, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think you're trying to, well, mindfulness is, to, mm. you know, it's just being mindful mm. of things and not, not reacting, not, you know, doing knee jerk thing. I, there's a really great thing that, uh, Grant, who, who is, oh, I was going to show you a studio, I forgot. Uh, he he uh, teaches at the Harvey Milk High School. He does an after-school class once a week for kids there, an art class. And they got this training thing about how to deal with, you know, if there's disruption in the classroom and stuff like that. And, you know, cause and if what it is, is that when the kids are angry or fighting or something, and I've, and I've actually done this in a situation, that when someone's really angry or in a state, you, 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 you say, what do you need right now mm. to the person? And it absolutely roots mm. them and gives you a sort of tunnel towards it. It makes them sort of think, oh, what do they I need? They don't say, I need to hit you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it don't ask that. me th that again. Yeah. <laughs> 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 what do you think I need? They well, actually, me I've, again. I've, I've, done it. I've done it in situations <laughs> like, not, like where someone's getting a bit obstreperous. Mm. And it works. It works. I mean, I've, I, and I was, we, were, we were talking yeah. earlier, like how I'm, I've actually found... Um, that I am quite disarming for grumpy old actor ladies who are having a bit of a okay. moment. And how do you do that? I go, are you okay? You seem, I seem a little upset. Is everything all right? Can you, can I get you anything? Right. You know, I, I don't, I don't pretend it's not happening, which is what most people do. Right. But I don't <laughs> yes. go, I don't go. What the fuck's wrong with you, lady? I'm, right. I'm like, is everything all right? You seem a little upset. Right. Is it, you know, and do it like that. And so they suddenly That's are like, kind. oh, mm. what? And, Someone and then, actually cares about what I think. Yeah. So yeah. just instant diagnosis. Because also, a lot of the time when people are pissed off, I'm, I've noticed this too, if I'm like in a tiz about something, that when you go into the, you know, and, and it's affecting what you're doing, when you go into the place to do your thing, all the people can sort of see there's something wrong, but they don't want to say anything because they mm -hmm. think it's best to not make the situation any worse. And actually, acknowledging it would really help. Because then you could say... Acknowledging. Yeah. This is... One, I have a few heroes. One of them is Phil Glass, and I just yeah. love that he, no matter what, just keeps making operas and orchestra things and he's, you know, and he's so positive, he's the most positive person I, I know. And I said, what, how do you deal with stress? I mean, because you have so much stress. And he just said, um, I acknowledge it. Mm. That's it. And, and that, you know, he's mm. not pushing it away. And it's like, my teacher also is, has really great little things. Like he's, he's a very clear thinker. This guy's name is Mingyur Rinpoche from Nepal, mm -hmm. and he just has tiny little things that he tells you that, to try. And one of them is like, try to practice how to feel sad 
without actually being sad. <laughs> no, that's good. That is really key because there are so many sad things in the world and if you pretend they're not there, you're an idiot. You know, mm -hmm. They'll come and get you, they'll, they'll kill you. Mm. They'll come from behind, they'll, at night they'll scrap, you know. So, but his thing is, um, look at them, but don't, above all, and the most important thing about this is don't become sad. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Are you a Buddhist? I am, yeah. What kind? Well, free form, <laughs> you know. Um, I, I follow this guy. I, I started in the 70s in... Um, something called insight meditation. And that was, um, that's a place that I still go to often. That's the one where my phone went in the bag last uh, uh, a couple yeah. months ago. And I was like, oh, 2,500 mm. messages later, I just, um, <laughs> and, and that's a place that, um, so it's called, it's a, it's a kind of fairly new Buddhism from about 500 years old from Thailand. And so the, the whole point of that one is, is the body and that, um, so I went there, I did I go there? I went there because a friend said, you know, I just came back from this meditation, 10 days silent meditation, you meditate 18 hours a day, and, and, I, and I, I, I am completely different. My mind is like a beam, and I could, the chatter stopped, and I could focus over here and do that, then I could move it over there and do that, and it wasn't yada, 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 all the, uh, you're such a failure, all the stuff just calmed down, and I could move it. I said, whoa, I want to mine like a beam. So I went there and I said, <laughs> yeah, and they said like, why okay, are you here? Give us that number. <laughs> and they said, you're here because you're in pain, right? I said, no way, I'm here to get a mine like a beam. And they said, no, you're in pain. I said, beam, pain, beam, pain. You know, it, was like, it was like, it's a very bad way to start with an argument. You know, this is a yeah, Buddhist yeah. outfit. So like, I'm here to learn. So what I learned was that it was like that. And... Um, that thing, based in the way that it's based on the body, is that they, it's basically like every time you something happens to you and you don't scream, you just don't, you don't go, ah, you know, you put it somewhere and you store it, and um, you, uh, and it's amazing how clever your body is about organization, absorbing so that, things, yeah, and and cataloging and mm. filing, so that. If you have fear, it just, it's in your stomach or, mm. you know, loss, it goes right to your heart, you know, and you mm. feel it, you know, yeah. or anger goes right to your jaw, you know, yeah. and it tightens and you, and pretty soon you realize how you're routing it and that you're a kind of a library of pain, you know, mm. you just don't know how to get to it. Psychoanalysis gets to it through language and they kind of go, okay, when was the last time you felt that or the first time when you were five or whatever. I'm too much of a word person to trust that storytelling machine. Mm. So, because um, I could make up a story about anything. And uh, mm. like a lot of people, we're just spinning and stories spinning. And <clears throat> But the body was something else. It's something else. So that you sit there for 18 hours a day, and you get up at 4, oh, and then God. you have a little water, and then you meditate, and you have breakfast, the only meal of the day. And you, because you don't really need much to get through a day if you're just sitting there like, and then once in a while walking meditation. And then after a while, your whole body is in rebellion. You know, it feels mm -hmm. like your scalp is on fire and your ears are falling off and your shoulders like gone, gone south in a crazy, crooked way and your feet are asleep and whatever else. And, and, and then you, you focus on those things and you realize 
you can change them. That you can you can wake your feet up and and understand what's going on in there, and that's related to the stuff that you've stored. So uh, it's really really wild. That and then the amazing. ultimate idea is used Kundalini to push it out. Oh. And those are the adepts. I only felt that once, and that was I, I spent the rest of my life trying to find it again because Kundalini, Kundalini is a spinal energy that feels like it feels like you had eyes but you never opened them. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's another level of, um, or it's probably just like the ultimate heroin spike. I never did heroin, but I, what I know of heroin is it's the ultimate heroin spike before you like go somewhere else. And it's just, you know, wow. it's lightning in your spine. So you, you learn, theoretically, I don't know how to do this at all, to control that, to go to those parts of your body that are just going, oh, dang, I don't know why I'm feeling bad, but I'm, I saw something bad a while ago in my eyes, I just want to open again, <laughs> so whatever it is. And how how, works. What got you there when that did happen? Was that kind of at the end of a long period? Of yes, it right. was. It, I don't know how that works. I mean, some people just do that and some never do it and some know how to control it. I don't know how to control it. I, I've meditated since then, so it would happen again, and it never did. <laughs> did you, do you know, um, you're reminding me of a, a book that I haven't read, but I own, yeah. of course, called The Body Keeps the Score. Do you know that it? That sounds good. It's all about that what you like, That sounds like this topic. Yeah, yeah like mm -hmm. it's, it's everything that happens to you stays in your body, yeah. and, and yeah. a lot of things to do with posture are to do with trauma. So Absolutely. if you, yeah. the way that you stand, someone can look at you and go, well, something has happened that you totally. haven't dealt with or whatever. Yeah. Obviously, so therefore, obviously, I haven't read the book because yeah. I'm like, oh, well, now I'm going to have to deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, I often, you know, when, when there's, a, when there's a, some terrible thing happening and some stressful thing, and I, I get, <clears throat> I've actually said this, I've said, I am so furious. You're probably giving me cancer right now <laughs> because of the stress that you're making, that's right. you, you know, and I do think all, all illness comes, comes from from stress, from stress. Yeah. and and mm. and it, and you can yeah you can feel it you can feel it sometimes you can feel the cancer coming in you can feel it when you're just like pissed off or made to you know just to be stressed about it unnecessarily and it's yeah. and, and and there's there's different kinds of stress obviously but there's stress that you make and, and stress that you carry but ones that are uh, from outside that are coming at you from mm. due to other people's incompetence or whatever I that feel that me. every day I think that um, it's like almost like I'm being injected unwillingly with poison for example mm. I looked at the paper today I don't have it here but a full page ad saying if you vote Democratic and you're Jewish you are disloyal all uh, uh, page and I thought I'm that's not, an I ad. am fucking Nazi Germany in 1933 mm. there is a big ad taken out by a proud American who said if you vote Democratic you are disloyal and ignorant just quoting the president and I was just like, I've just been injected again. You're wow. giving me cancer. Mm. <laughs> you I didn't know, know that was. I oh, that's so, in the so paper today. I heard today. him saying that the other day. It's it's in the paper today, uh, and it's uh, and it's beginning to be a meme, and it's starting to be like a thing, and like but the Democrats Jews can't be are, Democrats. Jews cannot be Democrats. Democrats are evil. Democrats are are subhuman. ignorant, subhuman. Mm. Um, I used to feel sorry for Italians because they were always doing that about Berlusconi. Like, Can you believe what he said? I was yeah. like, you better believe it now. He's been doing this for years. Yeah. Mm. You don't just gossip about it. You're like, Can you believe? You know, mm. I'm like, okay. He's going to do that and much worse as mm. Trump yeah. is. So just don't get so excited about it. Mm. He's an asshole and he's, he's deranged. Totally. Now, Mentally I ill. Don't know why. People don't acknowledge that. If somebody who says, I'm going to buy Greenland, you're like, <laughs> are you out of your skull? No, no. You're like, are you can't oh, did be Did he serious? say he was the chosen one? Did that not was that, so he was did he say he was the that chosen yet? one? He did? I think he it's did? in relation to oh, some Jewish people. You know, if you don't, if you vote oh, okay. Democrat, you're Jewish, yeah. you're crazy and a traitor. <sighs> There's something about he's the chosen one. And then, oh, anyway, but I, oh, I just, here we're going wow. down the wormhole. Wouldn't hole. that be a twist? <clears throat> he was actually Jesus. Don is Jesus, part two. <laughs> the Jewish Jesus. Ginger Jesus. Wow. The Jewish Jesus. Oh, Cheetah Jesus. Well, that's what we call him in Scotland, Cheetah Jesus. Cheetah Jesus. They call him Jesus. But then if he was Jesus, he'd be nice to people who were different to him. 
Very true. You know, this and is the thing I think about. I'm not religious too, at all. Then he would come back. Yeah. He would come back, yeah. Yeah. But I, mm. I'm absolutely atheist. But I, it's so interesting when you get down to it with, you know, the way that people use religion uh, to, to enable hatred. You know, that my, my religious freedom is being compromised. And so therefore, I think trans people shouldn't be allowed to have right. You know, things like mm. that, the logic, like what? Yeah, and, I, yeah. and, I, and I had, there was this time when I, I was at Christmas uh, lunch with some people and it was very awkward because it was all very, you know, political uh, opinions weren't uh, agreed upon. And um, we're chatting and I said, can I have a toast? Can I make a toast? And everyone was like, oh, oh. And I said, I just want, nobody's mentioned Jesus yet. And it's Christmas Day, it's his birthday. And I think, I totally don't believe in, uh, in, you know, in God and blood. I, know, I believe in Jesus, he did exist. And I think he was a great guy. He was kind to people who were less fortunate than him. He, you know, went to, he, he would be a big friend he of the was. gays. It was when gay marriage was, was being a thing. I said, he would be totally backing. He was backing. gay. Oh, he was gay, He was gay. What do you sure. think? Uh, absolutely. Hanging out with all those guys. Oh, absolutely. It was so beautiful and, and so, uh, Tender mm. and gay, so gay. <laughs> I was like, ah, oh, so. Um, Laurie, um, I was wondering about this. What would you, how would you, if someone said, what do you do, what would you say? What's your, what, what would you, Which, how would you define yourself in that short way that people do? Uh, I, I don't. <clears throat> so, what would you say? Yeah. Like I work in music, it, I work in music. It would depend arts. on the, it would depend on what I was doing at the moment. And I, I don't really, nobody asked me that when I was a kid, so I never decided, you know? Nobody said, what are you? I had like seven brothers and sisters, I still do, mm. and it's a mess. So n nobody had the time to say, what are you going to be when you grow up? Right. So I didn't have a plan, because nobody cared. I was just lost in the, in the mix. What was life like growing up? Fun. Yeah? It's fun to be a part of a big crowd, yeah. It was Did you grow up in Illinois? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, near Chicago, and it, it, I, I had a good time. Then I just started doing various things, and I st and I still wouldn't exactly say what I do. What do what do you say when you say people? Well, people don't ask you that, mm, uh, or do they? Some because uh, people can, know you, and they don't need to ask. Yeah, you and if people do do? if people ask me, uh, like a taxi driver, and I'm in the back, and this yes, sort of thing, what do you say? I'll say I, I'm, I say I'm I'm a writer. Like if I don't think they know it's me. And I don't want to say I'm an actor because I don't have to say all the things I'm in and you know that awful thing of mm. you think you know the thing they'll know and they go, yeah. no, no, yeah. don't know that, no, yeah. what else have you done? You think, yeah. oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. um, I say I'm a writer and then, which is true technically, but yeah. I, uh, it's, and they're less interested in that, you know. Yeah. Um, but I would say, say, you didn't write that, huh? Then you know, yeah, no, 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 good yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But I sometimes say, I like I would say, uh, my sort of thing that I, my, in my mind, I think, I would say I'm a storyteller for hire. Mm. For nice. hire is a good extra, like, yes. bit there's, of information that wasn't always requested. There's always a fee. <laughs> so you know. Self-work. <laughs> also, on my Instagram thing, I've changed it recently, it's, I say, it says, um, you know, you put a little description of yourself under your name. Yeah. And mine is top international celebrity and amateur bartender. Because <laughs> in my bar, I don't Are you really amateur bartender? I mean, what drink do you make best? Um, simple drinks. Like I love, I love bartending. Like, like wine bar. and water with ice. I like vodka soda. It's so easy, and I love it. Okay, what's and in that? Vodka and soda water, and then ice. So I go. I mean, at, <clears throat> at the bar, it's mm. my favorite thing to go. I go. I actually go behind the bar because it's sort of. It's a little separation from the people, and you <laughs> it's know, like it's, a stage, it's right? like a stage, and it's also there's mm. some you can you're present, but you're not. Yeah, you, you can't take photos of people. And you can't charging you know. money. And, and I got money. Yeah, charging money. And I, my favorite, I love doing <laughs> the good, screen, good pressing way. the buttons and everything. I love when someone's. I love when someone gives a credit card, and I say, "Do you want to keep it open?" I love saying that. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But my like, I'd I like love drinks that. that too. That's a very friendly thing to say, isn't it? Like, yeah. It's not how long you you're going to be here for a while, right? Yeah. Surely, yeah. <laughs> no, I love that. And then I love just like, I love like sometimes, you know, someone's, last night, you know, it was someone's birthday and I can say, drinks on the house. You know? Oh, that's a nice. second great thing yeah. to say. Yeah, it's so good. The drink's no longer on the house. Yeah, it's on the house. And uh, I, I just, but I love that sort of, um, I've always wanted to be, I've, it's interesting, like I've always wanted to be a waiter or a bartender, or a caterer, like I, those things it's that... It's never too late. It's ne no, it's not. Like right. I'm doing it, I mean, I have a bar now, and I, yeah. when I go to my bar, I go behind the bar and Please I start job. serving drinks. Yeah, great. And, um, 
I think the bar staff like it because I help them. And then also I don't take the tips and they get more tips because it's me. Nice. And I'm also quite, quite, like when there's someone, you know, if they're like kind of mesmerized that it's me doing it, I'll say, I give them, they give them the money and I'll say, do you want change? <laughs> like that, you, know, you don't want change, do you? Like that, a kind of cheeky and put more money into the pot for the, for the bar stuff at the end of the night. That's just like the nicest thing I've heard all day, but you have to keep it open. <laughs> I guess. It's just I, great. And what about you when people say, I, what do you do? I say I'm a director, because okay. so I, I direct you know, TV and right. stuff. So right. and I think that the, it's interesting, the point I'm always coming from when I do anything, if I'm writing or directing or podcasting, is I think I'm always kind of directing in some regard. Right. You know, like, Stealing. Yeah, and I think like, I like that. Like, I have a memory of being a kid and there were these three kids who lived up the road who were much younger than me, a little bit younger than me. And they had, were having a shit time at home. And I was like, let's throw a party for them in my garden. So nice. I thought, oh. do you want to Yeah, please, thanks. So I threw them a little party. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a sweet thing to do. Uh, yeah, but. And it was, and I gave him this treasure hunt where I hid like my things of mine in, yeah, in this bush. And I was like, nice. you guys, there's presents Done. here, blah, blah, blah. Yes, it was sweet, but it was also, I was kind of directing them. Do you know what right. I mean? I was like, yeah. you go over there, and then now you're going to do this. And then, and then, right, everyone over here now, now you're going to go over there. You know, so it was, um, so I think in a way that's my routine. Do you remember the first time you created something where in a creative way? And I wondered if it was always, ideas that got is your kicking off point it's like you have an idea and that starts the project in whatever form it might take oh let's see when you were talking about um turning people into actors mm. and no matter what happened you took the director's mm. role um i think i liked doing that i had no dolls because i didn't like dolls but i did like um Directing them. Really? Yes. So my friends had Barbie dolls, and they would just be like in these like horrible X-shaped patterns all over the room, you know, with their their ponytails and their yeah. legs like over their heads, and you know, I uh, pinwheeling around. I was like, this is a mess. I was just <laughs> like, and I liked making the dolls do stuff. Right. So that I don't. I didn't see that so much as creative as just sort of social engineering, you know, the way girls learn very early that they're actually in charge. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, Ken, do you like my dress? Um, Ken, go over there and sit down. Get in your car, Ken. Do you like this purse, Ken? <laughs> You're like, <laughs> what are you learning to do, girls? Mm -hmm. You know, manipulate men with your outfits. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's cool. Wow, <laughs> I'm just see how that works. <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> arranging the dolls and seeing if they could like do that. And it's trickier than you think, you know, because mm. you have to really be deep into it as opposed to like take it on as a theater project. And then you have to do things like plot motivation and you know have some more elaborate things going on than just pure manipulation of other people. So, um, but. Uh, Creative things probably for me uh, were just, um, I don't know, um, puppet shows probably. Mm. Oh, okay, like, yeah. Like making puppets. Um, and what, wait, I'm curious about when did music, because uh, we're, you know, swatting up on you, and like you went to college and did history. Yeah. So but I always did music. music I, always, I played when I was five. Oh. We had a family orchestra, you had oh, to you play did. something, so I had, I was violin, oh, okay. played the violin, and everyone did something except my father, he was the audience. That moment, and I'm sure you have that too, house to half moment of this anticipation of you're about to have to perform. Oh, yes. And this is yeah, yeah. always a weird, it's, it's great that you mentioned that, that moment when you're like about to go on stage, because mm -hmm. that's the one time now I always regret, or not regret, but I, I don't have stage fright, but I do at that moment think, when I'm right behind a curtain, like, and peeking out, mm. thinking, this is the stupidest thing I've oh. ever done in my God. life. Yes. Why am I behind the curtain about to pop out <laughs> and do something? What idiocy? 
what am I doing this for? And then it, then I pop out and it starts and it's, you know, I don't longer question it. But there's that moment yeah. and it's the house to half moment. It's just awful. It's just like, what a fraud. And, and, and the whole mechanism is so stupid. People waiting in the curtain mm. parts and this, you know, lights go up and you're like, Oh, like, do you know it's so funny though that I actually now have that as a slight signpost that I'm doing something good because it's like I'm stretching myself mm-hmm. you know because and I always have it even like when I got on the plane to come here mm-hmm. I had a little moment like what the fuck are you doing you know what I mean mm-hmm. and I was like that's good because that okay. means yeah, yeah. I'm stepping outside my comfort zone and I'm yeah. exploring yeah. you know yeah that's a good way to think about I mean it doesn't help in the moment but it's like <laughs> you're like oh, I remember I do know that one come on remember that one. what yeah. do you do all the day I, I just do projects. M- music things? Yeah, like now, right now, I'm doing like 15 things, all wow. unrelated to each other. I mean, literally 15? Yeah, pretty much <laughs> 15 things, yeah. And mm-hmm. what, in what, like making a record or I'm making... I'm making a record, um, uh, and two records. One is a quartet that I'm finishing, and then another big project for two and a half years is a big opera. Ooh. And it's a huge project, and uh, you're writing. Hmm? You're writing the whole opera. Yeah. Wow. And um, that's project. And then um, I have these two books that are really hard to write, and I'm working on those a lot. And um, I'm designing these um, uh, kind of spatial sound things which are like lots of speakers and so you can walk in and it's like walking into music because I I make a lot of VR now so I do virtual reality Mm. stuff. I love VR because you can fly. I love it more than anything. Mm. It's just so much fun. We just showed one at the Museum of Natural History here on the moon because we did one about the moon. Mm. I'd love to show it to you sometime. Anytime you want to see fly on the moon things. And then I have a big show at the Hirshhorn in DC and I'm making huge paintings right now. I have a big studio at the Brooklyn Navy Yard. Oh, you oh, wow. do? Yeah. Oh, nice. And then I'm also trying to get citizenship for somebody that I worked with um, three years ago. So I just got back from Morocco where I was went to see him. He was the, um, the youngest uh, detainee at Guantanamo. Mm. And he was a collaborator on a piece that I did uh, four years ago or three yeah. years ago. So what they do when they detain them is they immediately declare you a non-person which means you have no rights. A non-person. Non-person. That's wow. the very first thing, works with language. The second thing is we couldn't say which, that what was, what was really happening there, which was that American doctors and psychiatrists were at every torture session supervising what could be done and making sure that it was done to the max. And, and we were allowed to say um, American um, behavioral science teams were at a, each session with the detainees. So you never would use the word torture. So anyway, Mohammed was, um, uh, went through a huge number of things and um, he was finally released and not exonerated because he was never charged. That's the trick. Anyway, his life since then has been, and I lost touch with him, and then about a month ago I found him again. And he was been, he's been deported 10 times because we make sure that he never can have citizenship anywhere after Guantanamo, you know, so that he shipped back to his country of origin, which he never lived in, Chad. And if you look at what happened in Chad, it's not great. It's tribal warfare, and his tribe is not in power anymore. So when he's shipped back to Chad, they throw him in prison and torture him again. Again, for being in Chad and for being in Guantanamo and just for being. If you look back in the 80s, you can see Gaddafi tinkering around in Chad. You can see a lot of bad things going on there. It's a crazy situation. So anyway, I went over there. It was, I got back a few days ago and uh, I brought him up. You went to Chad? No, no I went Morocco. to Morocco, where, Morocco. where he is now. And um, because he's living on the floor of a mosque, he's really poor. He married a Moroccan woman, but she's so poor that he, and he can't say, um, he can't tell his in-laws that he's been in Guantanamo. So he's, like, there are various ways that you, there's a guy called the General who is also in Tangier, who's a big chef and he's British, and so he had an easier job because Britain was 
not as vindictive as other people. So Yemen was the best, so the, the, the Yemen prisoners were not allowed to come back to Yemen, but they can stay in Morocco, and Yemen gives them money in a house hmm. and citizenship. Yeah. Uh, not actually, not citizenship, but they care for them. And the British guys, um, they still had to serve 15 years. And this guy that who's wrote, wrote the book, The General, because that was his name, uh, that the guards gave him because he was the spokesman for everybody. He was a very smart guy. Oh. And he said, you know, he spoke for the detainees and he was really, he's hilarious. And his book, The General, is, is really wonderful. But all of those guys were, you know, uh, they were in, in jail for, I mean, in, I just can't call it jail. It's just, they were, it was hell. It wasn't jail. It was, it was just like, um, anyway, uh, so I, in, in February, we're, I'm going to represent this piece in the Hirshhorn, not as a live streaming thing, but as a, feed, as a playback thing of mm. him wrapped onto the statue and talking to you about Guantanamo and saying, oh, you know, crazy. like, well, things like, just crazy things that happened there. Like one of the detainees told one of his guards one time that he had a stream that, um, a, a submarine came to rescue everybody in Guantanamo. And that night, Guantanamo Bay was filled with American helicopters and ships looking for the submarine this guy had dreamed about. Oh my gosh. Okay, this thing is a dark dream. It's insane. It's still there. Wow. I mean, it, the whole mechanism is, is, the more you find out about it, the worse it gets, actually, you know. And that's one of the things I just decided, a friend of mine said, why don't you do those as paintings? And I was like, I don't know if I can do it. And I, so anyway, one of, um, one of the things I'm gonna do for this show is make really big paintings of this, because I don't think people can visualize what the, this is, you know, well, what, no, what we do. Purposefully, because we're not allowed to. I mean, I, I, the yeah. thing that I keep, when I think about Guantanamo is that it's a base in a country that we have blocked, mm. yeah. right? So it's a place that we can't. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can I, you can go America, and also Americans have been uh, brainwashed about going to totally Cuba for all these years. You actually could totally go, and everyone's like, "Oh, and they don't want," you know. And I went um, a year ago, actually, yeah. maybe two years ago. I can't, you know. It's hard to say that we're just brainwashed. I mean, how idiotic can we be? You know, doesn't anyone want to ask any questions? It's mm. like, it's really scary place to be living right now, I think. I, mean, I, I said, I feel like, I wonder when the point comes, when you think, what I'm going to get What if it never out. comes? Mm. What if it never comes? You know, because what if it's just a frog in boiling water? You know, it's like, a lot of my friends have left. They, they live in Ireland, they live in um, Iceland, they're going. You yeah. know, and I'm no, like, I know mm, I, I'm not really one to leave a sinking ship, but this is really a sinking ship. Yeah. This, one. this is not a great situation. And also, when's yeah. going to be the come? I mean, what, what I feel is when will the point come where I will feel threatened? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Even exactly, you know, a, a, and and make it like not worth it to be here. But then, well, where exactly do you go? I went to Scotland. Scotland's very nice. Yeah. I I have a wee place there, and I just. I've been quite a few times over the last few months. It just fills me with such yeah. happiness. And, yeah. and you know, like last year when I was doing up my wee cottage, I went to the, <laughs> this is so tragic, <laughs> I went to the recycling centre yeah. and I cried. <gasps> Why? Because I was so proud of the amount of, like, the detailed recycling and all the things you could do and the batteries and all the things. And I just thought, this is great. My country is really concerned about recycling and renewable energy and oh. all these things. And I just like come back here. You know, try recycling a battery in New York City. Really? Yeah, right. It goes on the same heap of everything else. Yes. Yeah. And you call up three one one or whatever it's called and try and find. You know, no. it's just so difficult. I yeah. should know that. Oh my God, it's, 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 it's painful. And then like, you it. want if you don't have the right bag, they want to. Take, I mean, these, this place we was amazing. Right. I took, I piled everything from all the like cleaning up my house. And and it was and I went and it was like a there was all these different oh, I put you know metal things here and wooden things and, and like you know formica la 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 it was just so I actually cried in the recycling That's session. Very <laughs> sweet. That's really I love sweet. that. Yeah, it, it so was such fun. fun. It was really it was fun. Brilliant. Well done. That was lovely, wasn't it? Lovely, Lordy Anderson. Wasn't it lovely? I mean, just what a darling person. 
uh, a privilege to talk to somebody like yeah. her because she really doesn't do any press whatsoever. Look her up, follow her work. You will always be entertained and inspired, I would say. Write to us, would you? Oh, for uh, goodness sake. Hello at uh, homosapienspodcast.com. Correcto. And subscribe to get uh, us in your mailbox all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, if you want a t-shirt, go to alancoming.com forward slash shop or... Or everpress.com forward slash homo sapiens. Or if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Mm -hmm. you could win a t-shirt if you tune in to Homo Sapiens Extra. We choose our favourite review and we give away a t-shirt. Goodness me. What, we, I feel like the mothership providing for everybody here. Oh, it's exhausting. Isn't it just? But, um, time for a light. This was lovely. Yeah, this was a lovely interview. I really liked that. Yeah, me enjoyed too. enjoyed this time with you all. I've, I've really enjoyed it as well. Thank you for listening, everybody. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider træt af alle de der podcasts og forklarer meget nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel. 